Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCollum. Don't you love that guy's voice? That is Dick Warren, and he is a master in the world of podcasting and broadcasting. I love his voice, don't you? He does have a really great voice yeah you do too you do too yeah yeah i keep hearing that uh my name is christopher mcauliffe i'm so happy to be back in uh town i was out of town for a while i went to thailand can i tell you one thing yes thank you <laughs> just play along <laughs> <laughs> the uh here's the thing if you get a call an email a, a reach out from my staff or my team that it, because I'm coming to your town, you should probably talk to me because I carry like interview things with me and like we can go sit and have a cuppa and have a nice little interview. I, I contacted, I reached out to the ICF leaders in uh, Bangkok because I was in Bangkok, Thailand before I went to Koh Samui because that's how cool I am. I don't even know where that is, but I'll go along with it. It's in Thailand. I'll <coughs> show it to you on a map. The, um, <coughs> pardon me. Those people didn't meet with me and so they missed an opportunity to be, uh, you know, Right here, on right this now. Podcast. That's but instead, right. we have an amazing first guest. We have we have multiple amazing people today. You're right. I'm excited to talk about uh, cross cultural issues. Of course, having come back from Thailand, I'm very cross cultural like myself. Like I planned that. Yeah, nice. played well played. <laughs> uh, my name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. I've been a coach for twenty five, six years, and um, also had this here podcast. We thank you for listening, dear listener. Uh, that other voice. Uh, what's your name again? Clarice Connolly. Oh, and in the words of Ed Sheeran, I'm in love with your body of work and the being that you bring to it. Uh, tell people what nice do you <laughs> tell people what you do and how you do it and how they can find out more. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a women's empowerment coach, so I support women in really getting clear on what it is that they want in life mm-hmm. and bridging their gap between where they are now and where they want to be and supporting them through all the transitions in life and really getting them supported and loved up and empowered and really getting them clear on who they are and how magnificent they are in the exact moment. And you can find me on empoweringwomen.coach. Empoweringwomen, plural, dot coach, Mm -hmm. singular. Got it. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, We should shout out to our longtime sponsor of this program, uh, Accomplishment Coaching. If you're looking for the world's finest coach training program. And we're not kidding. It's not hype. It's not advertising copy. Mm-hmm. It's literally in any measures, including the success of the graduates, including the community, including the actual number of hours of coaching received, coaching given, coaching uh, evaluated by uh, MCCs and PCCs. Go to accomplishmentcoaching.com and find out where they have a program near you. One of the things that I know that Clarice and I love about accomplishment coaching is that you can go and actually observe the coach training program in mm-hmm. process. That's not... I love that, yeah. Right? It's not like coming, you know, most places they'll give you a hype, they'll give you a sales sh- session disguised as a workshop mm-hmm. or something. But here, no. You can just watch the actual program in place. They actually think that you're smart enough to know whether something's for you or not, and most of us are, although we could talk about your romantic life and, you know, there have been some missteps. Um, what? <laughs> not funny. Not, not funny. funny. I got it. Too soon. <laughs> <coughs> What do you want me, pardon me, people to know about accomplishment coaching? Um, it's amazing. They, they're offered in five different cities. So we have Washington, D.C. There's 
New York City. There is Seattle. <clears throat> There's also Chicago, San Diego. Oh, it's six. Mm-hmm. And Victoria, British Columbia, well Canada. Done. Well done. That's yeah. right. If you're near any of those places or going to be, check it out. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. We'll have more information in the second half of our show today. All right. I know you're so excited about our first guest. Uh, do you want to go ahead and give the bio, give the intro? Yeah. Vicki Flyer Hudson is the chief operation. Chief Collaboration Officer. I'm just so excited that I I can't even get it together. And keynote speaker for High Road Global Services Incorporated. It's a company offering cross-cultural training and coaching for global virtual teams, expats, right? I'm Uh always going to Expatriates and leaders across borders. borders. There you go. So Vicky has helped countless mid to large size corporations have successful operations between Asia, Europe, North America. And she delivers high impact interactive presentations and webinars that build global collaboration. Is this an issue with reading or is this an issue with sight that we're dealing with? I think that's a combination of both. Okay, got it. Uh, <laughs> she's also the author so of the book Zen and the Art of Offshoring, How to Build mm-hmm. Collaborative and Profitable Team with Your Partners in India, a recipient of Kennesaw State University's Instructor of the Year Award for International Programs. Please welcome to our microphone, Vicki Flyer-Hudson. Hello. Hello. Thanks for being had. Hey, look around outside, Vicki. Where do you find yourself today? I find myself in Roswell, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta in the north. And it's a sunny, beautiful day. A little chilly, though. Is every, yes. <laughs> is uh, everything in Georgia still named for peach trees? Indeed, yes. It's right. very confusing. Uh, it's, it's just almost designed to help people get lost on <laughs> you, our streets you here. You go down so, to the yeah. peach, tree, <laughs> peach Tree Lane, and then you make a left at the Peach Tree Plaza. Yeah, I remember. Exactly. Uh, and you if s- you've been in Bangkok recently, then you know what our traffic is like <laughs> in Atlanta. <laughs> maybe a few less elephants, but maybe not. Um, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> well, but speaking of cross-culturalism, and gosh, I love this notion. We could talk about it for days in terms of our work as coaches and organizational cultures. But one of the things that I love that you're willing to talk about is the greater issue in our culture right now. You know, we live in a time that arguably is, certainly in my lifetime, is one of the most divisive, where people are either on one side or the other, and nobody's listening to the other side, and everybody's just in sort of an echo chamber. This this division, this cultural divide, is perhaps the most important one, certainly in our society and arguably in the world. Uh, words of wisdom for us? Where do we start with something this entrenched? Yeah, this is an issue that I've sort of taken on as my personal mission for the year of 2018 because I had an experience uh, watching the Charlottesville white nationalist rally in Virginia on TV. And as a Jewish person, I was watching these people marching in the streets and and shouting anti-Semitic epithets. And I had a strange reaction to that, which was actually one of empathy. I felt sorry for them. Uh, For the perpetrators, I felt, of course, more sorry for the victims. But I had never had that reaction before where I felt such a rush of empathy. And I wondered if there was something that could be explored in that to help bridge this divide. And so I just started to uh, explore that with some colleagues and some clients and, and amazingly, everyone that I've talked to about it has been receptive. And I've been calling the model compassionate courage Mm. because we have to still stand up to hate, bias, and all of these things that you mentioned in our extremely divisive society. But at the same time, growing hate within ourselves is is not the answer. And Mm. so if we're going to have a conversation and listen, 
uh, I think we have to start with empathy. And, and that's where I feel like the role of coaching is playing a huge part in this because, of course, coaching can help generate uh, empathy and self-awareness. And, and, and these techniques are working. I mean, they do also have a rate of failure when I have these kinds of conversations where I'm using empathy to listen to someone whose view is very, very different from me. It doesn't always go well, but I have had some successes with it too. And, and right now I'll take that. Well, give us a place to start. Is there something that we as correct thinking people, what we can do to begin? What's our first step? Yeah, so I've basically been using a modified version of nonviolent communication, but maybe simplifying it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll give you an example. That's probably the easiest. I saw a kind of negative biased post on Facebook that was also, it also contained a piece of incorrect information. And so, and it happened to be about Jewish people. And so I I thought, well, you know, I could just kind of message this guy or call him up and say that he made this negative remark and it really offended me, but I I didn't think that was going to get us anywhere. So I started with a question. I private messaged him and I say, Hey, I, I saw your post and I wondered where you got this information. And he came back and said, oh, I found it in an article. And he was expressing some frustration. And so I just sort of fed back what I heard from the post. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm kind of hearing some frustration here about hypocrisy or whatever the theme of the post was. And I just kind of let him express his point of view. And we went back and forth like that for several transactions. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the transaction, once he felt that he was heard and his point of view was heard. I said, by the way, uh, when you use this term, I wanted to share my experience of what that's like as a Jewish person Mm -hmm. and ask you to maybe be more mindful about how you use the term. And he came back and said, you know what? I didn't even think about that. And you're right. I need to be more aware of it. I think had I started with that, that conversation would not have taken that track. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would put him in the defense. And a great example yeah. of what you're talking about, compassion and courage. courage. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, because, yeah, we, I, I think that, you know, people don't arrive at these views when they're, I mean, they arrive there for a reason. They're not mm-hmm. born with these views. And while there, there are some people who are sort of beyond reach in terms of um, extreme levels of hate, mm-hmm. I do believe that for the majority of our maybe people in our circle, our friends and colleagues who are either misguided or scared, or they just have a different point of view. It's worth beginning with empathy and then moving into the request. And I hear, I hear that for ourselves too, because, you know, you said people are scared or misinformed and I notice I'm scared because other people are misinformed, right? Yeah. So recognizing like, I'm actually walking around in a world where I'm sort of terrified much of Mm -hmm. the time, you know, and the latest, uh, you know, whatever the latest news is, which seems to be more dramatic every day and more, you know, reaction, reactive and reactionary every day, uh, tends to get us more and more scared, I think. Absolutely. I share that. (laughs) I agree. Is is this something that you're seeing in cultures outside of the U.S. or are we mostly insular and insulated now enough that other people are just getting along fine and we're the knuckleheads? Uh, all cultures that I have interacted with anyway, which is a fair number, uh, suffer from stereotyping and bias. This is a human trait. 
And it expresses itself in different ways, of course. So maybe in one culture like the U.S. where race is a major issue, you'll go to another country or another region of a country where race is not so much an issue, but class is a bigger issue Mm -hmm. or perhaps people with a different religion. So the bias is definitely Mm cross-cultural. The way it gets expressed varies. Gotcha. So there, there are these divisions elsewhere. What, um, what do you think is the role of a coach? Is it to seek first to understand or do we, when we're advising someone who's clearly a partisan in some situation or, you know, represents something, right? I'm thinking about people in the C-suite, for example, where often people on the front lines are relating to those C-suite or those executive leaders, not as leaders, but as somebody who's out of touch of my every day. Absolutely. I actually think it's an and, it's a both. So that's why I I call the model compassionate courage, because when I'm coaching executives, and, and I do coach a lot of global leaders at that level, I definitely first start as a coach with with the compassion piece. So listening to understand where did these views come from? But part of my job is the second half, which is the courage. Because if the leader uh, doesn't come out with a clear message about any particular wrongdoing in either in their own company or, or in the world at large, then that's not showing courage. So, so they actually need both. They, I need to understand as a coach where they're coming from. How did they arrive at these views? What experiences informed their current viewpoint? But at some point, and, and that this actually just happened, I was coaching a client who is from Mexico, and she was talking about, what if I encounter, uh, she just moved here from Mexico, and she said, what if I encounter racism here mm-hmm. uh, against Mexicans? She says, I'm generally not really offended by that so much. It's just sort of like, I just try to ignore it. And so as a coach, I, I asked her some some powerful questions, but at the same time, in the end, I encouraged her, you are a leader. If you don't say something, who will? Who will? Yeah. And that's not modeling boldness and courage for the people under you. Mm-hmm. And so she agreed. We, we kind of went through some uh, scenarios of role-playing around how she would respond, not react, but respond to uh, negative re- uh, remarks about Mexicans. And so we kind of coached through that process. But yes, it, it absolutely for leaders has to be both. And I count myself in those ranks. I mean, I'm running a company that exists to help global teams. But if I'm not speaking out publicly against hate and bias, then I'm also not doing my job. What are you seeing as the dominant expression of divisions in companies these days? Is it a class difference is it a is it a, a people not understanding other cultures or in some ways sort of demonizing other cultures in global organizations what's the what's the biggest rift that you're seeing or the biggest issue that's arising yeah that's a great question actually when it comes to in in the the sort of multinational uh, companies that I'm observing, working with, interacting with in some way, I'm seeing a, a rise in sophistication with the cross-cultural piece, especially across international boundaries. Uh, so that is has really been increasing over the last five years. And that 99% of audiences that I'm interacting with are really very open uh, to, to doing better and doing more across national borders. And I, I love that. It's, it's very inspiring. 
where I'm seeing companies still struggling, uh, and not just companies I work with, but I, of course, you know, hear a lot uh, through my colleagues and and um, in social media, is race. It's just a subject where we are choosing to avoid our own discomfort rather than discuss race and where we're not willing to take responsibility. We're still defending against fault, but there's a difference between taking responsibility and uh, defending against fault. And we somehow have not gotten to a place where we are confronting this issue head on and, and willing to have compassionate and courageous conversations about it. It seems fraught with peril. It seems like if you open a conversation about race, then immediately you're open to a sub to, you know, being typified or classified as a, as a racist or race baiting, or, you know, there's a, it seems Mm -hmm. to me like a wise place for most people in an organization to avoid. Mm -hmm. How, how do you invite your clients or leaders in organizations to sort of approach this very sensitive topic? Yeah, absolutely. And, and your comment, I mean, it's, it's very, it's one I commonly hear. I think though that, uh, avoiding something that is already there and, and is actually just perpetuating the problem. Mm -hmm. And so I think what a lot of people and, and organizations in particular have confused is the difference between being uncomfortable and being unsafe. Hmm. And being uncomfortable is part of the racial discussion. And while it may it's, it could be called race baiting or racism, but those are really just terms for avoidance. And so, um, you know, my, one of my missions is to use the compassionate courage model to help organizations open up dialogue about any kind of division, including race, based on uh, empathy, just understanding where people are coming from. But also, I think a key component to this is learning how to be okay with being uncomfortable and not equating that with being threatened. Because you're right, people jump to that position immediately, especially around the topic of race. Um, But statistically and in research, we still have an issue. So avoiding it isn't going to, uh, isn't going to make it go away. If only, right? Right. (laughs) Indeed. So I was wondering, where could we read more about your compassionate courage in the article that you'd written about it? Where do we find out more about it? Yeah, so my website, highroaders.com, there's Mm -hmm. a resources section. And in that section, there are several free articles and videos and all kinds of things, most of which I've written. Uh, And the article around compassionate courage that I wrote for Cover Magazine uh, right after the Charlottesville, Virginia rally is is there on that page. And I I do encourage people to read it, to agree, disagree, ask questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the, the whole idea of compassionate courage is to have a dialogue in which first you listen and you provide empathy and then you make requests. Nice. Absolutely. So as a as a world traveler, a travel enthusiast, a coach, I'm really excited to know like how does coaching differ from when you work with clients like across cultures? So for someone that wants to jump into coaching worldwide, like what would you what would you say like the piece of advice is? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> there is 
a lot that stems from communication differences, and you see this in organizations. So coaching, of course, is happening in major organizations, uh, not just among leaders, but uh, among staff members and team members and associates. And the challenge is that uh, people communicate in very different ways, and if you're not aware of these communication gaps, it could end up being... Uh, a lot of miscommunication. So mm-hmm. a classic example of this that can affect coaching, the when yes means no. And Christopher probably experienced this in Thailand and could probably share some stories around. Uh, in some cultures, when you say yes, especially with sort of a hesitant tone or a look of pained agreement, <laughs> it, that's actually a no. But uh, someone in, say, the U.S. might completely miss that cue. So... What comes to mind is maybe the area of accountability in coaching. If you're coaching someone and you say, as, uh, you know, you, you ask them, you as, issue them a challenge or uh, an assignment, and uh, you maybe ask some clarifying questions. It's, and then are you willing to commit to that? And they say yes, but... But it's no, right. But it's no. It might be no. And so just being aware and doing some upfront research uh, about... Uh, the different communication styles can go a long way in cross-cultural mm-hmm. coaching, as well as different sources of motivation. So there's some great tools out there. I mean, in addition to the programs that High Road offers around this topic, but there's some great tools out there uh, that can help people with this. And I want to I want to make sure people got that website, which is High Roaders H I G H R O A D E R S dot com. That's where you can find not only uh, access to the book, but also access to the articles and other other comments and commentary by Vicky Flyer Hudson. I, I will say that <clears throat> what I was what I was mostly noticing in Bangkok and in Koh Samui on this recent trip was the lack of sensitivity to the local customs. Uh, the Thai people in general, generally speaking, are um, kind of quiet by nature and uh, to raise one's voice is considered very rude in the Thai culture. And yet there's this onslaught of both Western, uh, you know, European, German, especially tourists. There's a bunch of Canadians and Americans. And of course, uh, just oodles and oodles of Chinese tourists. And the distinction is pretty stark. You know, Chinese tourists, In uh, those of us that have been to China know that in China, you're very clear. You're just one of a billion people and you're not, you're not <laughs> one of the special ones, right? Like it's very much a, a society of there's a lot of people and if you want something, you need to be heard. And there's a lot of hmm, what I'm going to call Western uh, ideas of rude behavior like public spitting, like speaking quite loudly, like yelling even though you're standing next to somebody who's a stranger. Uh, and I saw a lot of, you know, what seems like violations of local standards of the Thai culture by all these tourists. Um, is there an equation, uh, an equation of that to behaviors in, in organizations where the local culture or the dominant culture is just either fully subverted or ignored be- based on other people's cultures? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's two issues I hear coming up from your story. One is just a clash of values underneath what is in the surface, right? So you can almost, we have this age-old model, the iceberg, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit maybe outdated, but not, not really because it's still quite effective that, you know, there's things you're seeing on the surface, but under that, right. there's always cultural values that are playing into that. So in what you described, 
it would be something like public versus private domain would be one cultural value that that's a different and then the uh, preservation of harmony versus directness and then of course just the implicit communication versus the more explicit communication so all that's kind of going on under the surface mm -hmm. and we like to use that kind of language in this type of coaching because it allows people to be more objective because the words rude and polite have absolutely no meaning outside of culture. Mm -hmm. What is rude in one culture can be absolutely polite and respectful in another. So that that is playing out in organizations. You mm -hmm. see sometimes the the clash of cultural values. And the challenge is not that the cultural values are different. It's most of the time that both parties are not aware that that's what's happening. And so they see each other as being rude or polite or this guy is frustrating or why is he doing yeah. this? But it's really it's it's there's a lack of awareness. And like I said earlier, that level of sophistication has definitely increased. And I'm seeing wonderful work on that level being done uh, by companies. But the second issue you brought up is this sort of subversion of uh, maybe subsidiaries versus the headquarters culture. And, and I do still see a lot of that, mm -hmm. uh, where the headquarters culture, whoever that is, is, is kind of leading the charge and maybe not paying as much attention to seeking input from worldwide sources. And that's not just a U.S. issue. That is, it happens, it, it's headquarters syndrome, wherever the headquarters happens to be. Mm -hmm. It's really great. We're down to our last minute or so, and I want to give it to you. You are... Uh, extraordinary, and I thank you so much for your work. And thank you for having what me. You've created yeah, here. Thanks for being but had. With our last minute, is there a parting thought or a parting shot you'd like to give to fifty thousand or so coaches listening today? What would, <laughs> what would you have us focus on? Um, I think as coaches, we have an extraordinary opportunity to mm -hmm. get people in touch with some of these more challenging issues, like bias, and maybe even. Uh, one level beyond that, even even hate, we we might all harbor that on some level. And I mm -hmm. think as coaches, it is our uh, our call to action on some level to to help some of this stuff bubble to the surface and to be with it instead of avoiding it, and to help people distinguish between being uncomfortable and being unsafe. Such a beautiful call forward. Thank you so much, Vicki Flyer-Hudson, for the work that you're doing. Again, the website is uh, for High Road Global Services is highroaders.com. That's H-I-G-H-R-O-A-D-E-R-S.com. You can find not only the book there, which is Zen and the Art of Offshoring, How to Build a Collaborative and Profitable Team with Your Partners in India, but also her latest writings, including the article on Compassionate Courage. Um, check it out, highroaders.com. Anything else you want to promote, my friend? Uh, no, I think I think that's that's the main thing I would love people yeah. to, to read. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And um, thank you come... for joining. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being at, as we like to say. All right. Vicki Flyer-Hedson joining us from her palatial mansion in Roswell, Georgia. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, uh, with the commissioner of the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference about Christian college athletics and coaching. Stay with us. You're listening to The Coaching Show right here on WSRadio.com. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. 
Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today. Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. Whether you want to improve your company's bottom line or create a thriving coaching practice, Accomplishment Coaching can give you the distinctions and practices you need to coach others effectively today. Accomplishment Coaching has spent six years developing a cutting-edge coaches training program that will have you ready to coach people professionally in just 12 months, and you don't have to take time off work to do it. To find out more about the Coaches Training Program, just call 1-888-548-6813. That's 1-888-548-6813. 